Hello everyone and welcome to episode 275 of the Mark and Me podcast. Now, as always, I'm your host Mark, but I do sound a bit different. I've been doing a number of specials at Slam Dunk. I've been currently at Download Festival and as you can hear by doing so many interviews, my voice is almost gone. But the show must go on and here I am for episode 275 with the writer and film director, the amazing Tina Satter. On today's interview, we get to sit down and talk all about her debut, Reality. This was adapted from a critically acclaimed play, In a Room, and stars the amazing Sidney Sweeney, and is still one of the best films I've seen this year, and honestly, you need to check it out. But before we get to that interview, let's just touch base and talk about my last episode. Yes, you heard it, it was a slam dunk special with the amazing band Bowling for Soup. What an amazing fun chat that was. The chemistry was amazing right from the start and I honestly couldn't be happier with the results. And the good news is they'll be back for more early next year. But today it's all about Tina and honestly an amazing director with such an amazing future ahead of her. But just before I hit that play button and give you that interview, let's give a big shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, Richer Sounds. Thanks for those guys for giving me amazing support and amazing sponsorship. And each and every week, because of you guys, it allows me to get these episodes out there on all these different directories. So if you're in the market for a brand new TV, jump on richersounds.com and those guys will sort you out. One thing left to do now is to give you this interview. So here's me and Tina talking all things film. So Tina, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk, get to talk to you. What I like to do is for people that might be tuning in to discover your work for the very first time or people that may have been a fan for a long time is take it right back to the very start. Um, talk to me about when you were a kid growing up. What were those films that you remember maybe your family made you watch or you spent your pocket money on renting from a video store or something that stuck with you that made you fall in love with cinema or film? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think a really big one, which I did see in the theater, and was big for me and my sister and our whole family, and I feel like our whole town in New Hampshire was E.T. Like, incredible e. film, e. yes. Totally. It's totally incredible, and it's shocking to me, of course, now when people haven't seen it, because it actually – I. but, yes, E.T. would have been a real biggie, and I was really little, and my father – had me and my sister, he really wanted to see it. He, I guess we, he's told it, I don't quite remember this, that we were really scared. And we said, we can't make it. And he's like, please just try it in the first, you know how it starts. <laughs> and he's like, please just like calm down. And I, so that, I think that's a real imprint. And obviously on many, I think that movie is big and Spielberg for so many things, but E.T. is really my fave Spielberg because I, that terror, but the heartbeat of that, the heart of that movie and something like, that you couldn't really see anywhere else. Like literally he makes up this alien, but then treats it so straightforwardly. There was, it was just such an incredible movie. And I think that sort of mix of something a little scary, but not, no one's really getting their head ripped off and it's not that violent, but it's sort of an existential fear. That sort of thing is really what I've remained interested in, in films I watch and other things I also try to make like paired with that, that heart and also like sort of the dysfunctional family. I've, I've, I've remained really interested in that. Th that movie actually has so much in it. Right. And so that would have been one. And then the, the next phase that, I, that were really important movies to me 
uh, were like Heather's was a really amazing. big movie. Um, like truly amazing, right? And the, the language, I mean, that was a huge influence on me once years later I started writing was because she kind of makes up that way they talk. And I, I love that and have done that in a lot of my playwriting. And I think that's honestly what I liked in part about the transcript for reality. There's all this lingo. Like she's talking back and forth with them about PKI passwords and TSI. Like, and I love lingo. And I think Heather's had that. And then just my next phase that was much later, not young, and then I was, but I feel like I'm a late bloomer in so many ways, was discovering Hal Hartley movies. Those were actually another big moment for me. Um, but yeah. There's some amazing foundations there. And um, E.T. back in the 80s was one of the ones I was terrified of. I I was scared of E.T. even though he was only <laughs> there to do good. I just... It was the alien coming down and the, the, the spacecraft right. in the garden. It all seemed too real. I thought that maybe if I go to bed, I'd wake up and I'd see a red light flashing and suddenly I've got him in my garden and be terrified. <laughs> but the storytelling by Spielberg and the craftsmanship and the practical effects of those sort of films, they are timeless. I watch it still now and it doesn't look like it was made sort of nearly 40 years ago. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah, totally, totally. So did you kind of watch these films? Uh, obviously, it's quite a young age, but at what point was it that you thought to yourself, I want to get involved in this industry? I'd like to start either directing or get involved in the theatre or going down that route. Was it a bit later when it came to studying at school and college or was it something you did alongside another subject at school? You know, it was even later than that. Like, I... It's funny, I really was a late bloomer in terms of this and like a slow burn and it's like... I was very athletic, weirdly growing up, like field hockey and skiing. I grew up in New England in the US and like was this very kind of preppy 1980s childhood. And then I went to like a liberal arts school to study English, thinking I'd be like a field hockey coach at a prep school. And right when I would have taken the turn to do that, I was like, I don't want to do that. But I still kind of like was floating around for a couple of years after that in terms of like starting to have these arts ideas but not not really formed yet because I hadn't studied it I like I, at all and um I had been an English major but so then in my 20s I was like I, I moved from the east coast to Portland Oregon and I had these really I just had a whole group of friends out there that were like smart interesting creative people and I that's where I first was like well maybe I want to like start making things like and I I did these little like DIY film projects, but still not thinking about it seriously. And then anyways, it was when I moved to New York City finally and I started seeing experimental theater and like something about, I was like that, I don't know. I There's something, I get what's happening here, even though I had no training and experimental theaters deconstructing, you know what I mean? Like known theater, but something about that world and those smart makers and the weirdness and all of that, was a way that was when I sort of became like a, a working artist and maker was by starting to make things in experimental theater, but burning alongside that was, Oh, maybe I want to make a movie. You know what I mean? Cause I wasn't trained in theater. So I just started doing that. And then that sort of in a really exciting way, I had amazing collaborators that sort of took off. Um, and eventually once that was sort of up and running and I was actually doing that and that at a certain point really became my job. I was either teaching writing and directing playwriting or directing <clears throat> excuse me um it it was like it didn't start to feel like oh maybe i could now make a movie you know what i mean i 
even though they're very different mediums, by then I really knew how to lead a team and make something. And it started to feel like possible that I could get closer to making a movie as well as making theater projects. And that like, that's in the last, you know, 10 years. Isn't that amazing though, that some people that we listen in today that may have not gone to film school or kind of been fed the silver spoon to go out there and have all the training and textbooks that you can actually go out there at any point in your life and go for it. And if you've got the determination and the work ethic and the dedication, you can still be successful. You can do what you want to do if you work hard enough. I Totally. I mean, I think, yeah, it's about being ready to like just fully hustle and work around the clock. But yeah, I mean, I, a couple of years ago, I, the college I went to, which is a small liberal arts school called Bowdoin College in Maine, but I just had been an English major and they actually brought me back to do a big theater workshop a couple of years ago when they were touring me around the theater building and they're like, so does it look different? And I was like, I've never, ever been in this building before. And at the first second, the person bringing me there to teach the theater students was like, look scared. And then he was like, no, tell the students that, tell them like you that your trajectory wasn't necessarily that you were like working away at theater at 20 years old, you know, it was like after those years. So yeah, it was really funny. I was like, yeah, I didn't come near the theater building <laughs> in college. I just, it wasn't in my brain yet. Yeah. So to have that experience. And I think at one point you'd written and directed 11 original plays before you decided to take that big step into doing your debut feature. Um, at what point did you know in your heart and your soul that you're ready to take that step? Because you've talked about today, even in the first 10 minutes, about how that's what your kind of goal was. That's what you wanted to achieve. That was your kind of a uh, point to get to is to have a to make a debut feature. But at what point did you feel like you were ready? Was there something that was always holding you back or something that you felt you wanted to achieve before you take that step? Or was it just a case of things aligning in the world that made that point that this is now, this is the time to do it? I think it's closer to the things aligning. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I loved the theater I was making and I made that with really close friends and then we were getting to tour the world. And so, and those projects would always be so all consuming. I mean, theater is essentially as all consuming as film. So it'd always be so caught up and I'd be like, yeah, after this one and then another, I'd get the chance to make another theater piece and dive into that. But so it was then coming upon this transcript. Like that was this thing where I was like, oh, I, and it, it's just that intangible art instinct, right? Like I was like, this feels like a thriller to me. Like this is a movie I could make. I, I, it, like it was just, and I think, yeah, again, but that, so that's where alignment, like at that point, I do have years, again, it's theater, but I have years of making shows under my belt and working in different kinds of ways and leading teams of creative people. Again, a movie is very different, but I did have a kind of, you know, sense of how I was in that role and confidence. So coming upon that material of the transcript that to me felt so possible to be a movie. And I felt confident telling other people I wanted to make it and seeing if other people would help me make it. You know what I mean? And I, you know, earlier in my life, I probably would have even known how to have that conversation. Like, can uh, you help me with this? Movie? Uh, the thing is, I think that's such an original concept and idea. So you're sitting there, I can imagine you reading through it and it kind of like a little light bulb going, ding, this is going to be a movie. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. But the way that you've taken that and transcribed it and the FBI recordings make up most of that dialogue and the story and everything that you wanted to go by. And I think that's, I can't think of many other films and I, I, I study production of films and I read about people that are making films and all this, but that's how you kind of made this 
story come to life for you and you were reading it and picturing it. I suppose you're probably storyboarding as you're reading that text on the paper, which is pretty fresh and inspiring and a new way to do things. No, yeah, I, it was a very pure thing. It was a very pure thing. And that's how I, I wasn't seeking that content. You know what I mean? And I think to what you said, to me, it's like, and I, I've taught a lot now, so I do talk about this with students. It's always working away, but staying really open to what comes by you. Do you know what I mean? And so, and so that can feel exhausting, but I don't think it has to feel exhausting. It's just like, if something speaks to you, moving towards that do you know what I mean and then there were were obviously in the film world people are like a movie that's set in just one hour and a half and in one room that's crazy you're gonna have to like show way more than that and of course we show a little more but like I found ultimately producers who were like no this is really this is exciting yes it's hard and we're gonna have to like you know work on it in a very particular way but it's yeah, it's just being prepared to take a lot of no's or I don't know's and like continuing to move and then making sure you have ways to like make money so you can eat and live somewhere in the meantime. You know what I mean? It's a weird dance to be an artist in that way and then follow what you want to do that may be not the most commercially viable thing. But I think there's ways to do that. And when it came to the casting, obviously sitting there and watching Sydney Sweeney, who's one of the biggest names right now, looking at her and the the press that she's got just from walking on the carpet at Cannes last week. And right. every, every magazine is talking about her. But her performance in this was fantastic. And when it came to casting, it must have been a dream to have her accepted and greenlit and over the line to work alongside because you must have been blown away to have someone so such star quality on set she did blow me away like she I knew she was good um like because I'd seen it obviously we've seen euphoria I'd seen white lotus those were she's just really good in those and she's like deceptively good maybe even right so I knew she was good once she got to set, I mean, we we had conversations before in which that which also sort of like convinced me she was right in terms of just how smart she was talking about reality in the project. Once we were on set, she's so pro. You get her in front of that camera, she delivers. And then I have to say, it's once you also get into the editing room and see what she has given that you're like, oh my God. I it, like it's it's incredible the options of like this cheek quiver here, which does so much work in this movie, right? Or like that look behind her eyes like because it's essentially so much close on her medium close and she yes it, just really a gift to have her in this role I mean because she's sort of unexpected for it but she beyond has the chops and then really just portrays that particular person so incredibly well and when I was I sit there and I watch I can't enjoy a film anymore I have to sit there making notes and preparing <laughs> things and I can't sit there and kind of switch off but one thing I really loved about it was the cinematography. And uh, is it Paul Yee that did this system? Yes, cinematography? yes, yeah. yes. The visual kind of challenges he had and seeing how he brought it to life was astonishing. And some of the decisions he made that you see on screen blows my mind. And I would love to see Paul recognized for these elements that he's done, the way he's amplified the tension and the way that he's basically made this film with yourself look. And it's astonishing. And I really hope that he gets awards or gets the recognition he deserves because I think he genuinely is a genius. I I cannot wait to, for, to get to tell Paul that because I do too. And I'm really, really, really happy that you feel that in there. Paul was beyond essential 
for this movie. And I, you clearly see that. And just in terms of it being my first movie and how patient he was in that prep, because I could only talk in like, I want it to feel like this or, you know, and he leaned into these incredible ways to get to what I wanted where I didn't quite yet fully have that language at all. And then his instincts were so beautiful. I mean, really, I had wanted Paul to work on this after I saw this movie he shot called The Fits, which is incredible if you don't know it. I've not seen it, so I'm going to write it down and watch yeah, it again yeah, this week. You're going to, I think you're going to be blown away. Yeah. And so, yes, I, I'll just say yes. Paul is, I think Paul's really special and really good. And I'm happy to hear you say that because I think there are other things that get seen, obviously, like Sydney or just the transcript. And I think you're putting your finger on what is really so critical to why this movie is is working as well as it is, is Paul's work. Now that the film's kind of out there and it's kind of for you, it's done. I'm not saying, you know, there's still promotion, there's still hoping that it does well. People get to see it. You, I'm sure. Do you sit there and kind of look at any of the reviews? Do you ever go on IMDb or these, you know, pages and see what people are saying about it? Or do you try and switch off? Because I go through kind of, ups and downs i'll read lots of comments about what people say about the podcast and if one person says it's not great i'm like disappointed even though there might be a hundred people that say it's fantastic and i'm not just saying this because you're here now the response i've seen so far has been all glowing for you everyone is saying how great it is but do you get chance or do you just kind of shut yourself away and think nope i'm done what i need to do now and i don't want people to tarnish what i've done i work really hard to shut myself away and not because they made tarnish it I mean I, I even though I haven't made a feature like film I've made so I've made so much stuff actually in the public eye in New York and other places and I've really been through the ringer on that of like incredible New York Times reviews very bad New York Times reviews so I really I am used to that and I, I it's become best for me to not and so and I'm often the bad ones have decent points but it's hard to hear that and some Another crazy phenomenon it's that like is good ones often can be really weird. You're like, that's what you liked, or they'll say inadvertently say something bad to say the good thing. And they're just all very, it's a lot to take in. So I I've heard that they're super good. I've hardly read any of them. And that, but me, and I, we, we know it's such a great, amazing thing that they've been so good so far. But we're, me and the producers, like, we, we're gonna get that one. Like, and then you, it's so incredible how good they have. I know that I know that the facts are they've been quite good so far. And so then it's like, would normally you like have a mix, and it's like, well, of course we're gonna have bad ones, and then that's gonna be devastating. So you just have to be like, no, for so for me, and it's really hard to do because the bad ones when you do those always stick way more like yeah you know I have things where I've had basically all amazing reviews and I can think about the one and I'm like they were right you know what I mean the person who didn't like it the one who's right like it's just so vulnerable I mean of course it's an incredible gift to make something and have people respond and, and but you have to sort of be built to do that in the first place and then it's like figuring out how to take in um what you get good and bad back because so it's a it's a weird it's not a deal with the devil exactly, but it's it's just very vulnerable. So you want something and then you have to be prepared to like be situated in what it means to share something so publicly. And it, it's a it's a, it's amazing. And it's also hard as a human being. But yeah, so I try to avoid so far. I've been doing it. I I just avoid it. I, I, it's a, there's reasons I need to go on IMDb right now. I'm like, I can't even go near IMDb right now. <laughs> 
it's it's a horrible way the mind does that and one bad thing can put you off the 150 200 that are great but now reality's out there what's next for you do you kind of now want to get straight back on the saddle and start directing and doing a a follow-up feature right away or you kind of wanting just to reflect and take a bit of a step back and think what will i do differently next time and what will i learn from doing this first one or are you just hungry now for whatever you can get to do as soon as possible I think I'm hungry for whatever I can get to do. I've really, I really tracked along the way of what I was learning as much as I could, because I was like, I am learning a lot, you know, inherently about what I would do differently or not. So that is baked in and I want to keep reflecting on that. But um, yeah, I think I, you know, I am just excited to see what kind of material I can respond to him. I and mean, I learned so much from doing this. And I really, I, of course, I've now cracked into to filmmaking a tiny bit. And so I know more about that. And I'm just, I am now doing so much great, you know, roll out of the movie. So I'm really actually deeply in that still, which is, but it's so exciting because it means the movie is still going out. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just going to sort of step ahead into what's next and trying to be thoughtful. But I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm a, who isn't kind of about those of us, any of these conversations, I'm a worker bee. So it's like, let's, let's figure out what I was, you know, can get to work on next. So creative people like us get bored very quickly if we just don't do anything. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And my final question, I ask this to every person that's been on the podcast is I get the guests to choose. Now it doesn't matter who you are, what walk of life you've been on. The final piece of music that's played after today's interview is chosen by the guest on the spot. So is there a piece of music, a song, uh, maybe a song from a movie, a score, a band you love, or just a song that means a lot to you that after today's interviews, all edited out there for the world to listen to, what is the song that you think sums up perfectly a great outro choice for you? I'm going to choose the song Step Aside by Slater Kinney. No, I've never heard that. So this is you know good. Slater Kinney? I will when I hear it, but I don't, okay. don't know yeah. it from... They're um, super cool. I love this song. And it's from a while ago, but it, the lyrics just continue to feel really relevant to the to the world and, and being alive. And yeah, but it's also kind of joyful. It's cool. What I'll do now is I'll go down a rabbit hole. So you'll do this. I'll go on YouTube, listen, and I'll be like, oh, I'll listen to something else. And then my whole afternoon's gone by listening to 30 or 40 songs. They're a pretty seminal um, American band of like the last 20 years, but they're also in a specific vein. So yeah, you'll yeah. see. That'd they're be cool. Good. Well, they're really cool. I'm, yeah. I'm going to end up probably really spending a lot of time listening. And I love doing <laughs> this because sometimes people just go the Beatles and Rolling Stones. And I'm like, great, but discovering something new is great thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been a pleasure to have you on um i wish you all the luck with the the release and i will be promoting like hell on all my social medias for you and uh i'm sure our paths will cross again in the near future maybe when you do your next something the the industry is small than i realize so i'm sure i'll see you someplace or somewhere it'd be great to chat again thank you so much for covering this so there it is There's my interview with me and Tina. What an amazing, inspiring director that has such an amazing future ahead of her. As I said at the start, this film is only her debut, which is mind-blowing, and I can't wait to see where her career goes. And if you've enjoyed the talk today, go and check out Reality. It's in UK cinemas right now. Also, if you really enjoyed today's episode, why not go on markandme.com, either subscribe to the episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or share them. 
There's links on markandme.com to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And it really helps if you share the episode on your social media networks. So please, if you've loved today, hit that retweet button, share button, and it really goes a long way. Also, I do have a Patreon account each and every month. You can support me on there. And right now, I could do with some honey and lemon. So if you go on there and subscribe and give me £2 a month, I'll go and buy a big jar of honey and get my throat back to normal. Also, again, I want to give a big shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, the Folio Society. They give me some amazing books and I'll be giving away an amazing, amazing edition of a very special book next week. So stay tuned on my social media for all of that. Right, I'm going to go and rest before another day at download and I really need to recover and try and get my voice back to normal. So until then, look after yourself, take care and I'll speak to you all very soon.